children may be dismissed for children's church. And I'll ask everyone who remains to find in your Bible or a pew Bible, Matthew chapter 16. As you're finding Matthew chapter 16, as we're preparing ourselves to hear God's word and study God's word together, sit underneath it. Have you ever tried to read the Bible or even tried to listen to a sermon, even one of my sermons, and just got nothing out of it? Um, you, you know you're supposed to read your Bible, so you open it up and you try, and it's just, it might as well be another language, or it might as well be the phone book. It's dull, uninteresting, doesn't make sense, doesn't seem to apply. Has that ever happened to you? Or you heard me preaching, and uh, what? he still has been 30 minutes, he's still talking, I don't know what he's talking about, this makes no sense, or if it does, I don't care about it. I know that that second part has never happened, but... There's a reason why it's that way. In fact, I would argue that it's probably that way most of the time for most people. And the reason is, this is no ordinary book. This is a miracle book. This is God's words to us. God breathed out through human hands, written. And we're just humans, so we don't naturally think on this level. So if, if we are going to understand and receive and be changed by God's word this morning. It's not going to be because I'm so eloquent. And it's not going to be because we're so mentally sharp. It's not even going to be because we're really trying to understand it. It's only going to be if God chooses to bless us through his Holy Spirit and open our eyes to see the spiritual truth here and open our ears to hear his spiritual voice here and open our hearts to receive this on a spiritual level. Okay, so we're about to pray again. And the reason why we're going to pray is because if God doesn't help us now, this next 30 minutes will be pointless. But if he does help us, it could completely transform your, your heart and your life in our church, which is pretty exciting. So let's pray now. We'll just take just a not long at all for you to ask the Lord to help you, to give you the eyes that see, the ears that hear, the heart that will receive it. And I'll ask for his help for me, and we're in this together, and we'll see what the Lord does, okay? So let's bow together and let's pray like that for just a second. Lord, we confess together before you that we are spiritually dumb, deaf, and mute apart from your work through the Holy Spirit, through the gospel, through Jesus Christ. So we ask now, like children to their father, would you please help us? Help us to understand. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to see you right now. Help me to serve your people well, to point them into your your word accurately. We want to be changed. We want to be made new. We want to see you. And we can't bring that about, but you can. And we believe that you want to. So we just throw ourselves at your mercy and we ask for your ministry deep down in our hearts right now through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now we're going to read Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 28. And I'll ask if you're able, if you would stand as an expression of honor. This is God's word. And before we read... I pray that there is a sense of expectation here that God may want to do something big in your heart, in our church, through his word. So we read Matthew 16, beginning at verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, 
If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. We're grateful that we have God's word. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. To understand this passage, you need to remember what came before it. That's why I read Matthew 16, verses 13 through 23 earlier in the service. To refresh your memory, those who were here when I preached through those, and to so you'd be exposed to it, those who weren't here. In the two passages preceding this one, Jesus basically said, now's the time. I'm going to build my church now. I'm going to build my kingdom now. And he's talking to his disciples, the original 12 guys, and he said, you are going to be the foundation. I'm going to build my church upon you. And then he says in verse 21, he starts to show them a deeper revelation of of the plan to build his church. And this deeper revelation is that he's going to have to die He's going to have to go and suffer and be killed and die in order for this to happen. And so Peter says, no, Lord, this is never going to happen to you. I'll protect you. I won't let this happen. And Jesus rebukes him and says, get behind me, Satan. You're hindering me. You do not have your mind set on the things of God. You have your mind set on the things of man. And then he transitions into this statement that we're studying today. And we're just going to look at verse 24. I was going to try to preach this whole passage but that would be impossible unless you wanted to stay for an all-Sunday-long seminar, which we can still do, show of hands, if anybody wants to do that. That's what I figured. So we're going to just tackle verse 24. Now, this is Jesus talking to his followers, talking to his disciples, okay? These are the men who've been following Jesus for quite a while now, months, years, Now, maybe you are like them. Maybe you have, to some degree, been aware of Jesus. Maybe you have, some, to some degree, been following Jesus. Maybe you've been at church for a long time, church member even. It's important to note that Jesus is not talking to people who have never heard of him. He's not talking to people who know nothing about him. He's talking to people who have already been following him to a degree. And he says... If anyone wants to come after me, these are the steps. So he's looking at Peter and he's saying, if any of you guys want to follow me, this is what it's going to look like. Now, I need you to imagine that it's not me standing here talking to you. I need you to imagine Jesus is looking at you in the eyes. This man, Jesus, that split history in half, the Messiah, the Son of God, is looking at you and he's saying, If any of you want to follow me, this is what it's going to look like. There's this devotional myth, I'll call it, about Jesus that, you know, we get near him through going to church or through doing our daily Bible reading plan. And just by being sort of in proximity, some 
some benefit rubs off onto us, like an osmosis effect. See, Jesus calls people to follow him. It's an active, it's a clear calling. It's not a vague spiritual, well, I go to church and I meditate on this and that and I read these books. It's a clear calling to follow him. So he is, is in essence, through this passage, through this preacher, asking you, do you want to follow me? Jesus wants to know, do you want to follow him? Not, do you want to go to church? It's not the same thing. Do you want to follow Jesus? Not, do you wish that America would adhere to a Christian morality? Do you, you, personally want to follow Jesus? Not, do you want Jesus to confer some benefit to you and ease your anxieties or ease your pain so that you can go on about your life? That's different. The question is, do you want to follow Jesus Christ? Not, do you want to conform to your family's religion? They've always been church folk. Do you want to follow Jesus Christ? If so, and that's not going to be all of us, not everybody in church pews, even right now in this building, not everybody is here because they want to follow Jesus. Some people are here for other reasons. But the most important question is, do you want to follow Jesus? And if so, if that's you, if you do, and if you're, if you're like these disciples who maybe you've always done church stuff, but you've never actually made this clear decision, well, I'll follow Jesus. Maybe today is the day. There's three steps that Jesus is going to give to what it looks like to follow Jesus. Now, I don't know how you would define Christianity to somebody who knows nothing about Christianity, but this is, in essence, Jesus' definition of Christianity. So think about how you would define it if somebody asked you at work, what is Christianity, and compare it to what we're about to hear from Jesus and see if there's a disconnect, okay? Do you have your definition in your in one side of your brain? Here comes Jesus' definition into the other side, and they're going to battle, and his will win, and we'll be changed. I hope this will be refreshing to us and, and um, glorifying to God and clarifying for us. So three steps. They're very simple. It's very simple. Step one, deny yourself. If you want to follow Jesus, deny yourself. These uh, In the Greek, it's two words stuck together, the word from and the word deny. So it's like, take yourself, deny it, and, and move away from it. It's like disowning yourself and throwing it in the dumpster and getting in your car and moving to Missouri. Getting away from it. It's not just, you know, trying to, it's not just trying to tamp yourself down and trying to keep yourself under control. It's absolute, utter removal of yourself and living without yourself. That's a bizarre concept, isn't it? And we live in a culture of self, self-esteem, self-confidence, self-control. Self-discovery, self, 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 self. We are living with a big mirror in our way. And Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you've got to take that mirror and destroy it and get rid of it because we've got work to do. And you cannot be preoccupied with yourself to follow me. 
We have Facebook, we have YouTube, we have Twitter, where we can all be stars, and it's all about ourselves, sprinkling tweets about ourselves out there as if it mattered to anyone. Putting pictures of ourselves out there, new profile pictures of ourselves. Our modern technology is highly personalized to ourselves. How many of you have Netflix? A couple. I continue with movie-related illustrations, even though I know that no one will admit to watching any movies. I have Netflix. If you have Netflix, it's this, you can, on the new TVs, uh, you have this subscription service and you have access to all these movies and TV shows and it remembers you and it remembers your preferences. So when you pull it up, it's like your own tailored-to-yourself dashboard of entertainment. And that's what we think life should be. That life should remember my preferences and should be tailored to me. This is the Matt Broadway story, and you guys are all just little side parts. And Jesus says, you have to get rid of that mentality if you're going to follow me. That's step one. You've got to just unzip yourself and step out of it and get moving away from it. And this is very personal to me because I tend to be a very self-absorbed person. Uh, My background is one of extreme self-absorption. It didn't take the form of me thinking I'm awesome. It took the form of thinking I was uh, whatever the opposite of awesome would be. I don't have a word in my head for it right now. It took the form of a lot of introspective journaling, which is embarrassing to even say out loud. But I have journals from my teenage years, young 20s, where I was just trying to figure myself out all absorbed into myself, totally self-conscious. You know how some people come out of the bathroom and their flies unzipped? That will never happen to me because I am totally self-conscious. I've gotten much better through the grace of God, through Jesus Christ, but especially when I was younger, I was almost debilitated by being self-conscious. I almost even lost who I was because I was so concerned with other people's perception of myself. Now that's one of those sins that's weird and subtle and You know, it's not like alcoholism or pornography or drugs or murdering people. It's not clear cut. But I mean, I was just drowning in myself. I was embalmed in myself. Myself was the casket. And I was laying inside of it. And I was missing everything. And the gospel of Jesus Christ really has been freeing me from myself. And that's step one. Do you want to follow Jesus? If so, deny yourself. Christianity is freedom from self-tyranny. Can you imagine being totally free from self-consciousness, self-concern, self-absorption, to be totally free to worship and serve other people without even worrying about yourself, without even noticing you've got cream cheese all over the side of your face? You just don't even care. You're so about Jesus and God and other people. That's how we are designed to be. Remember, what are the first two commandments? The the biggest two commandments when Jesus summed it all up. Love God, love people. And was there a third one that was love yourself? Now, it was love your neighbor as yourself. It's a given that we're going to have concern for ourselves. But our highest callings are upward and outward, not inward. Now, when you compare this with your definition of what Christianity is, did radical self-denial enter into your description of Christianity? I fear that we see Christianity as church involvement, 
And you know that I fear that because I talk about it all the time. But I can't stop talking about it because the Holy Spirit keeps leading me to passages like this. So, do you want to follow Jesus? If so, step one, deny yourself. Step two, take up your cross. Now the cross, you know, this looks nice and pretty, but the cross was a blood-soaked, rugged contraption made out of two beams. It was cruel and shameful the way people were killed on the cross. And Jesus is saying to you, if you want to follow me, deny yourself and take up your cross, bear the weight of your cross. You know, I haven't done a lot of weddings, but I've done a few. And in every one, I've worked in the phrase death ceremony because that's what a wedding is. If you read Ephesians, it's, it's the husband saying, I am now dead to myself. I'm living for you. And it's the, the wife, the bride now saying, I am now dead to myself and I'm living for you. And it's a picture of what Christianity is. See, Christianity isn't joining up with a, a church club and doing nice things. Christianity is saying to Jesus, okay, I'm dead to myself now and I'm living for you. I'm crucified with you. That's how Paul says it in Galatians. Let me read you one of the most beautiful verses in the New Testament. Just listen to it. You don't have to flip to it. You can if you want, but it's Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20. If you're going to memorize a verse, this might be a good one. Paul writes, and I think this is what Jesus means when he says, take up your cross and follow me. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have been crucified with Christ. I have been put to death. The Matt Broadway of the flesh is dead, buried, gone. The life I'm living now It's not really even me living it. It's like Jesus is living it through me. I am so emptied out of madness and filled with Jesusness. I fear that we've lost any concept of how radical this is. Christianity is a radical, radical thing. I fear that in our hustle to do church stuff that we we forget that the basis of this calling is radical death to self, radical self-denial. What would it look like? What would it look like if even just half of us lived the way Paul just described in Galatians 2.2? What would our church, and I don't just mean when we come together like this, but our group of people look like if just half of us denied ourselves to this level, crucified ourselves with Christ to this level, You wouldn't hear things like, they have no program for me at that church. I stopped going to that church for weeks and they didn't call me. That music doesn't suit my preferences. Why doesn't Matt wear a suit anymore? I prefer it. 
I'm getting fatter. I only have one suit. That's why. Christianity is not like Netflix. Christianity is like a cross. And some of you got into this thinking it was going to be like Netflix and that you were going to come in and church was going to conform to your preferences. And it's not. It's about you dying. It's about me dying. You are a sinking ship and you've got to get out into Christ. If you want to follow Jesus, and man, I want to follow Jesus, and I want you guys to come with me. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Step three, you would think that this would go without saying, follow Jesus. Did follow Jesus enter into your definition of Christianity? I mean, I bet a lot of church folk could define Christianity and not even mention Jesus, which is insane. It doesn't go without saying. Lots of people get involved with church and miss Jesus. Lots of people go to church, which is a total illusion. There is no place called church. Church is the people who are following Jesus. Satan has set up this whole holographic illusion that you can go to church and that that makes you good. Church is all the bad people that Jesus is saving. All the, all the people who need Jesus' forgiveness who are following him. So you, I need to ask you, are you? Are you following Jesus? I've been going to church for 300 years. Of course I'm following Jesus. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. This church thing, man, it just, it can weigh you down to the ground. And I'm not just talking about from the pastoral perspective. I mean, from the, from those who are really involved here trying to keep this thing going, it will weigh you down to the ground. It will crush you. Trying to keep a church going will crush you. Now, trying to follow Jesus together with other Jesus followers, that's a whole different ballgame. Just let that, let the baggage of church fall away for just a minute. Just let it all, just picture it like a tower, just, just crumbling to the ground and see past it to Jesus. Just look at Jesus for a second. Do you want to follow that man? Hear his words? Live like he says? Receive his forgiveness? Take his yoke on your shoulders, which is light? Does it ever seem like taking the church yoke on your shoulders is just crushing? Well, he said, follow me and I'll take the heavy weight. You take my yoke on you and it'll be light. Do you want to follow Jesus? Man, I want to follow Jesus and I want you guys to follow Jesus with me. I don't want to just do church. I don't want to just try to keep the cogs greased and and push this machine up this hill. Let's follow Jesus together. We're about to sing this song, Have Thine Own Way. There was no human collaboration at all in that song being selected this morning. Sandy and I didn't talk at all about what I was going to preach about because I was out of town. I mean, I, I really think that God is wanting 
you to deal with this this morning. So this song is the song that Sandy picked. It's, uh, it's hymn 595. Take a look at it. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. I know we don't speak in that language anymore, but we're about to sing this song. I want you to see what it is that we're saying. You're the potter, I'm the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yielded and still. Search me and try me, Master, today. Whiter than snow, Lord, wash me just now, as in thy presence humbly I bow. Wounded and weary, help me, I pray. Power, all power, surely is thine. Touch me and heal me, Savior divine. Hold o'er my being absolute sway. Have absolute say in my life. Fill with thy spirit till all shall see Christ only. Fill me so much with the Holy Spirit that when people see Matt Broadway, they don't see Matt Broadway, they don't think about Matt Broadway, they think about Jesus Christ. This is radical. Fill with thy spirit till all shall see Christ only always living in me. So we're going to sing this song now. I I I really feel down to my bones that God is wanting us to hear this word from Jesus today. But listen, do not sing these words if you don't mean it. Don't toy with God like that. This song is addressed to God. It's a prayer in song. Do not sing it. Do not sing it if you don't mean it. If during our singing of it, of this song, you need to pray, you need someone to pray with you, come up here, I'll pray with you. Um, We can pray after the service. Now, if you do mean it, if you have seen Jesus looking into your eyes this morning, if you have heard his voice, and if you are ready to follow Jesus, if you have been following Jesus and this just reassures you stronger in it, if you have not been, if you've just been doing church and now is the time, Sing this song so that you're hoarse for the rest of the week. Now let me pray for you and I'll invite Sandy and them to come up and we'll sing this together. Father, on behalf of this church, I ask that you would have your own way with us, that you would mold us and make us after your image, that you would so fill us with the Holy Spirit that when people would look at us, They wouldn't see us. They would see Jesus Christ in us. Lord, please clarify in our minds if we're following you or if we're just doing church stuff. Please clarify that in our minds before it's too late. Lord, help us to deny ourselves. Help us to take up our cross. Help us to follow Jesus. In whose name we pray. Amen.